So you want to be a real estate investor, but where do you start? How do you know what information and sources to trust? That's where I come in. I'm Johnny Catani, and this is the Investor Relations Real Estate Podcast. Hey guys, real quick, before we start, go to investwithkatani.com and download my free ebook, Is Commercial Real Estate Recession Proof? Now to today's show. What's up, guys? And welcome to another episode of the Investor Relations Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, John Katani. Really excited for today's episode. We're going to mix it up a little bit. Uh, usually we're talking to fund managers or operators, but Today, we are joined by the lovely Lauren Bruchelle, who is the uh, Investor Relations over at Spartan Investment Group. Uh, as part of the Investor Relations team, her role is to uh, use her skills in marketing and project management to assist the team with investor-facing collateral, communications, capital raise product projects, and investor education. So, wears a lot of hats, and we're very excited to talk to her today. Thanks for coming on, Lauren. Thanks so much for having me, and I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So uh, we'll kind of go through the beginning here and then we'll uh, get into the nuts and bolts, kind of talk about um, your early career, some college stuff and uh, what led you to Spartan. Awesome. Yeah. So early career, um, I went to Belmont Abbey College out in Charlotte, North Carolina area, studied uh, marketing and entrepreneurship. Um, That's kind of where my love for real estate started is looking at all the different ways of being an entrepreneur, right? My parents always bought uh, different houses all over the country and, you know, some fix and flips, things like that. But uh, I really just love the idea of making my own thing, doing my own thing. So of course I did not become an entrepreneur right out of college. So, so I started off my career in the CBD oil industry, which was totally different than real estate, but got a lot of great marketing project uh, management experience there where we launched a pet CBD oil brand. Uh, We went public as the first CBD oil company to go public. So it was really fun to be a part of that. And then, um, you know, that industry wasn't really for me. So I was looking for my next move. And I also wanted to move out West. So I found Spartan on LinkedIn actually. And, uh, you know, I uh, originally was hired for marketing position for them, um, doing all their property level marketing, setting up their corporate marketing infrastructure. We launched the free up storage national brand. And then, uh, you know, our CIO said that I would be great at investor relations. And I was like, well, what's that? (laughs) So, um, you know, he's been training me up for the last couple of years. And I think I've been full-time investor relations at Spartan now for about a year and a half. So it's been awesome. Nice. Yeah. I'm sure you're probably happy to be back in in in-person conferences. Uh, Lauren, I and I connected in uh, LA for the first time at the IIREC and then again at BEC. So were you uh, introduced to this stuff then kind of right as COVID or in the middle of COVID? So you were probably doing most of the beginning all through Zoom and mm-hmm. and kind of uh, through that whole process? Yeah. So for a while there, we um, did a ton through Zoom, a lot of investor intro calls and things like that just over the phone. Um, but we love hosting in-person events, happy hours, educational series for our investors and potential investors. So it's been really nice to get back into that swing. So, yeah, you're probably getting a lot of uh, putting a lot of faces to the names of people you've connected with through LinkedIn. Yes. I know that was a big thing at BEC is so many people are like, I think I know you, you look familiar. And 
of course, you've talked to them in some form or fashion. So kind of talk about, you know, you've uh, been there, like we said, offline for about three years. So the beginning was more the marketing side. Kind of talk about that transition, what led to the investor relations, and then what that uh, job kind of looks like now. Sure. So, um, you know, I have sort of an outgoing personality to begin with, which makes me good at sales and uh, external facing things, which is where it kind of stemmed from. Um, It really was, you know, we started with the basics when Ryan started teaching me all the things I needed to know, you know, what what is a return? What makes a project good? What do we look for in the due diligence and the properties itself? And, you know, what makes a great investment kind of digging through the underwriting files and all of those little nuances that you you don't really understand or know until you dive into it. So it was a lot of one-on-one training, a lot of external trainings, um, you know, listening to podcasts, learning a lot of things from other people in the industry. And then I also went to uh, Cornell and an online financial management um, series of courses through them to really get a deep understanding of the basics. So lots of moving parts went into it. Um, I started off actually talking to the investors about the offerings probably just over a year ago now. And that's um, kind of my main focus right now is just uh, presenting the offerings to investors, talking them through the ins and outs of it, having them or helping them under understand uh, if they're new to real estate investing, kind of what all these little things mean. Um, Also help a lot with the investor communications, the emails that go out on a monthly basis, planning the happy hours and events that we travel to all across the country. Um, and yeah, we just, we like to put a priority on meeting those investors face-to-face. So I'm always kind of traveling around and uh, meeting as many people as I can. So. Awesome. Well, it sounds like uh, as long as you like to travel and talk to people, which sounds like you do, then that's really awesome. So as you know, you guys obviously very large firm, right? A lot mm-hmm. of uh, firms we talk to are still doing most of this stuff in-house kind of, you know, the the top people are also doing the investor relations. So kind of talk about sort of the branch that you guys have set up and, you know, what it looks like in terms of investors coming to you from the beginning and kind of that full cycle. Sure. So um, it to, to your point, it did kind of start off with our CIO, Ryan, who did all the investor relations. Then we brought in Ted, our investor relations manager, and then recently Ed, our investor relations uh, VP. So um, yeah, honestly, like most firms, we started off with a lot of friends and family investors. Um, we started going to a lot of conferences, industry events, things like that. And that's kind of where we gained the word of mouth. Um so we don't do any cold reach outs or anything like that. We have a lot of intakes come to us, like I said, through those conferences. They hear us on a podcast, um, referrals from current investors. You know, um, the way we kind of split it up internally is one person handles all the active investors, and then two of us are kind of going out finding the new ones, converting the new ones, things like that. Um, so that's kind of our process. We've really built it up in the last six months, six, eight months. We have a ton of procedures, processes and procedures in place, lots of new automation and marketing drip campaigns going in um, to really take us to the next level. So. Awesome. So what do some of those campaigns look like, right? So you're kind of the, the face there at at the show, someone comes up and talks to you. What, what does that sort of, you know, kind of process look like from, from start to finish? Sure. So um, kind of from the start, you know, people will do a little bit of research on us. So um, they'll go to our website, they'll see an offering memorandum, something like that. Someone will talk about us to them. We love to get them on the phone to get to know them more, get to know their investment goals. 
Um, some people like cash flow, cash flow more than upside or vice versa. So really starting to talk to them, you know, understand their goals for the year, for the next five years. Um, and what they do as a W-2, that's always really interesting to kind of hear as well. So once we kind of talk to them, we get them set up on our investor portal, send them the documents necessary. Um, we'll put them either on a little bit of an educational drip campaign or just keep them you know, on our monthly newsletter cycle. But um, that's pretty much the process. We do give them our cell phones, um, which is really great. And it gives it a personal touch because if they have a quick question um, and they feel like they can't reach anybody, that's that's not a good experience. So they call or text us. We'll answer their question. No problem. We love to be available. So. Absolutely. So it sounds like a very white glove service um, that you guys offer, which is awesome. I mean, obviously you guys have been able to create such a big name in the industry. So that's definitely part of it. So as that process is going, let's say you don't have a fund open, sounds mm-hmm. like you'll keep them in some kind of like marketing campaign. And then based on their what they're looking for, do you offer every fund to everyone? Or do you kind of, you know, target certain investors based on, you know, initial calls and things like that? Sure. So um, since we are just launching our first fund before we did those, you know, single deal uh, offerings. So we would kind of know off the top of our head, okay, you know, this person loves the Texas market. So we would reach out to that person specifically for an asset that we had in Texas. Um, so a little bit, you know, right now we only do 506C offerings for accredited investors. So um, we, we just focus on the value add and high growth markets at, at this time. So we kind of just blasted out to our entire network, um, especially with the fund coming up, you know, we have our wait list and people who said they're interested. Um, but yeah, we'll kind of just blast it out. And since we're going to be adding 40 to 60 properties as the target number of facilities in that fund, there should be an asset for everyone's liking in there. So awesome. Cool. So this will be your first uh, ever, you know, fund that you guys are launching. So kind of talk about where that idea came from and, you know, what the process has been like getting that ready. Yeah, absolutely. So we're still in kind of the starting phases of getting it ready, finalizing the legal documents and things like that. But really the idea came from um, Q4 last year, we closed on 20 some properties, all value add, all in high growth, great markets. And it came to the point where we had three or four open offerings at a time and our investors would be like, well, these are all good deals. Which one do we choose? It's hard to choose one over the other. So, you know, we're like, okay, well, why not package them up? Everyone shares the upside and everything mitigates the risk a little bit if you have one dweller for the time being. And um, so that's where that came from. The industry starts is seeing seemingly starting to move to that model anyways. It's it's a lot um, easier to scale like that. So yeah, we're really excited. Uh, April 1st will be our launch date. So Awesome. And then it sounds like you said uh, 40 to 60 uh, assets within that fund. Is that just as you go, you're going to target them and add them to the fund? Or do you have a lot of that already kind of worked out? Yep. So we will be adding them to the fund as we go. So um, we're always, our acquisitions team is always looking at new deals, new properties to place under contract. So um, it'll be kind of like a waitlist system for the whole year. It's probably a $150 million equity fund about 400 million in total uh, property costs. So um, yeah, we'll kind of have a wait list going. And then if we need 5 million for this purchase, the you know next $5 million in line, we'll get that. And then their prep will start accruing and then we'll just keep going down the list. So I think that's how we're going to handle it. Awesome. And then you had kind of alluded before, 
you obviously had some training, understanding underwriting and all of that. So do you look at each individual deal so you can speak to each one with the investors or what does that look like? Mm -hmm. Yes. So I do my best to understand all the ins and outs of each deal um, because you never really know what an investor is going to ask, how sophisticated they are. You know, some people really just care about the returns. Some really love to dive into the PLs and cap rates and all of those things. So, um, so I do my best to educate myself. Yeah, absolutely. Totally makes sense. And obviously, like you said, you never know what an investor is going to ask or what information they want. Mm-hmm no matter how nuanced, you know, a lot of investors do really, really heavy due diligence and you need to know the answers as a, you know, uh, an experienced operator. It's important to make sure you, you always have those answers. And, you know, obviously the high up, the farther up you go, the, the more it's, it's important to have those. So kind of talk about now what, what kind of markets you guys uh, are looking at. You said really the growth markets and things like that. Um, so what areas do you guys really like to focus on? Sure. So we have 150 MSAs in the, the, across the country that we will look in. Right now, we're really loving the Southeast, you know, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, Texas. We uh, are huge in Texas. Um, Denver, we have a couple of facilities, you know, outside of the greater Denver metro area, Pacific Northwest, Portland, Seattle. Um, we're kind of breaking into Wisconsin. We have a couple of assets there now. It's really high growth around Madison. Um, and then Carolinas, we would love to break into there, uh, Utah, Arizona, you know, very hot competitive markets, but great properties to be bought. So awesome. And then are you part of that as well, or do you just wait until those assets are identified? Sure. So, yeah, I am not part of the acquisitions process or anything like that. Um, so I, I kind of just wait to hear once it's under contract, but I do, um, occasionally, actually pretty frequently go visit the assets so I can really see them in person, understand the markets um, even more. I used to back in the day, go on the due diligence trips, the feasibility trips, things like that before we got bigger. But, um, but yeah, I just, I just stick on the capital side once it's the decision has been made. So. Cool. So, all right. So you've got the fund, you identify the property. Now, are you uh, personally reaching out to the investors? Or are they just on a campaign? You know, what does that capital raise process kind of look for you guys internally? Sure. So a lot of the people come to us first. Um, we'll kind of warm them up, get them ready. If we don't have an offering open at the time, we'll kind of keep them on the back burner until we do. And then we will go back, reach out personally. Um, we have a big kind of lo- uh, offering launch email that goes out first, and then we'll reach out to our you know specific points of contact that we know are ready to invest, waiting for our next deal. So a little bit of both. Awesome. And then are you running the webinars as part of the investor relations team? Sure. Uh, our CIO, uh, Ryan, usually uh, runs the webinars because he is he knows the most about everything. <laughs> so. He does, indeed. Yes. <laughs> yes, I was talking to him at best ever, and uh, there were certain things I had to kind of go back and be like, can you explain <laughs> that? I'm, I'm new to the uh, self-storage game, so uh, it's very intriguing space. Now, yes. to be clear, all of your assets are self-storage at Spartan, Correct. Yes. Um, everything going forward that we'll be buying is storage. We do have a couple of RV parks in our portfolio from uh, acquisitions a couple of years ago, but yes, we are mainly storage. Okay. Awesome. Pretty much the name in storage is, as far as uh, a household name is concerned. So that's really awesome. So you've got the entire process there for the investors. And then what does it look like uh, as you guys continue along deal cycle, things like that, you know, kind of what your job entails in terms of 
communicating with investors and, and different things like that. Absolutely. So, you know, once the offerings have closed, we do keep um, tabs on our investors kind of with monthly and quarterly emails, a quarterly webinar, and then any other time that they have questions or want to chat about what's coming down the pipeline, things like that, they'll reach out to us or we'll kind of randomly reach out to them. Um, or any time that there's an issue with a distribution or a question about when's the distribution coming, um, we'll do it ad hoc. But um, every first of the month, we have our uh, monthly newsletter that goes out, which is an entire overview of our portfolio, uh, the performance, the occupancy, um, stuff like that. And then quarterly, we send out our financial statements for the pro forma versus actual so they can see, you know, literally how the investments are doing. And we share that with for our entire portfolio as well. So they can see into other sides of the business that they haven't invested in. So sweet. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So really giving them again, that white glove service, making sure full transparency, which is very important for yeah. to keep repeat investors. So I know you're a huge proponent of the no like and trust model, right? We all mm-hmm. really are when you're dealing with investors, it's very yeah. important. So for you, um, you know, what does that look like? Uh, what makes a great investor relationship and, and you know, what parts of you are, are the most important? Sure. Um, I think uh, that trust is high up there. Obviously, they need to know and like you first, but having that open, transparent relationship with them, if something's not going right, um, being the first one to say, hey, this, is, this isn't going how we planned. Here's what we're going to do to fix it. Keeping them informed that, you know, something might not be on track or, you know, what have you, just so they don't find out from another source first or that they're like, well, hold on. I haven't heard from Spartan in a couple months. Like what is happening? Where's my distribution? So making sure that they can trust you, that you're honest and transparent with them. That's great. Um, Kind of back to what we were talking about earlier too, is getting face to face with them uh, as many as we can. I mean, you really get to know someone so much better when you're in front of them, having drinks, having dinner, whatever it might be. Um, It's because phone calls can be a little bit tough. So I think that's really important. And then I think the third thing that honestly sets us apart and really helps those relationships is that we are always available. If someone emails us, we'll do our best to get back with them in six, 12 hours, you know, if it's over a weekend, 24 hours, whatever it may be. Um, but they have our personal cells. I think that, I mean, we've been told that that really does make a difference. So. Absolutely. That's awesome. And I think that's, you know, a huge point as well. The trusting, mm-hmm. they know that you'll respond, get back to you and, and kind of, you know, Again, that's where you're going to get those repeat investors, people coming back, all that transparency, which is so huge. And I really think, you know, it's not talked about enough. It's said, but it's not really talked about enough in terms of really building that so that, you know, as you continue to grow and build this fund, because, you know, listen, the longer you're around this game, $150 million doesn't sound like that much money, but in the end it is. And to get that much, you know, especially... Um, you know, from retail investors, even accredited, yep. it takes a while to build that that trust and all of that. So it's really important to continue that. So are you guys getting, I sounds like probably to the referral part now where you're getting a lot of referrals. Mm-hmm. So are you kind of handling all of that as well? Absolutely. Yep. So um, kind of going back to those repeat investors, we have about a 95% um, rate for repeat investors. So once they're in a couple of deals and they understand that the distributions will come as soon as possible and on time, you know, when the cash flow is there, um, that kind of helps with the trust as well. Like, okay, you know, 
we're getting money back. This is good. Um, so yeah, absolutely. The referrals that come in, we'll kind of put them through the same process of getting on the phone with them, getting to know them. Um, honestly, even if a little bit more of a white glove treatment, if possible for them, because we know that one of our investors has trusted us with their friend or their family members money as well. And we really want to make sure, I mean, we love that. We um, put a lot of pride in our work. So we, we make sure that they're taken care of. So. Awesome. Now are you guys operating all of these on your own. Are you doing some co-GP stuff as well, or is it pretty much just all in-house now with, ha- with how your team is? Yeah, all in-house. So we have a team of about 85 people. Um, so every property manager is a Spartan employee. We have our own construction company in-house as well. So we um, control every single aspect of the, of the whole wow. business plan. Yep. True full cycle. That's yeah. awesome. Well, that's yeah. really great to see. Um, I know it's obviously taken a long time. You've been there for most of it. If I'm not correct, that's pretty much from the beginning that you've been there, right? Yeah, I was the uh, second employee outside of the partners. Um, so I've seen it grow from, I think, 10 of us to 85 of us. So, Wow, that's yeah. awesome. Well, congrats on that. So we're kind of getting towards the end here. So we'll jump into our final five questions. These are the questions we ask everyone at the end. Uh, best advice you've gotten from a mentor? Um, gosh, best advice. Um, couple different pieces of advice. I think one would be something that Ryan talks about all the time is, um, you know, everything works, nothing works. So especially when it comes to IR and marketing and things like that, you know, you might have success from one action one time and you'll never be able to repeat it, something like that. So just keeping flexibility and your options always open and being able to go with the flow and change as as needed is um, a really great piece of advice that he always gives out. And um, on the back end, another piece of advice that's, I guess, more like personal, personal finance is, um, you know, try to replace as much of your income as you can with passive investments as early as you can so that you have the flexibility down the road to be able to travel, retire early, whatever it may be, pay for your children's care. I don't know. So um, not a lot of people at my age start to think like that. Um, I mean, I'm 26 and I can tell you none of my friends are saving up money to investing it passively. So, you know, are you a passive investor? Um, I am working on it. It's my goal this year to get into my first deal. I've done, you know, stock and other crypto things that are not quite passive, but it's, I want to buy either, um, investment property or invest in storage passively, something like that this year. That's my goal. So awesome. Love that. Cool. So, um, you know, let's kind of, we haven't really, we didn't really talk about it, but you kind of alluded to, sounds like you're headed towards financial freedom as kind of the driver for doing what you do. So what is it about your career that makes you feel like you're fulfilling that? Sure. So, um, well, right now it's really fulfilling is being able to help others become financially free. So, um, the passive income that we give our investors, the long-term wealth that we're helping them achieve is really exciting. And it's really cool to hear everyone's different story on whether they're retiring and looking to really just um, subsidize that cash flow that they're looking for, or whether they want to retire in 10 years and they're getting ready now. Um, it's just cool to be able to be the vehicle to help, help, help make that happen. So. I love that. That's awesome. Okay. What's your favorite non-real estate or investment related book? Oh, goodness. Um, 
I recently read um, Girl, Wash Your Face by Rachel Hollis. I think that's her name. I thought that was a great book, um, especially about being, well, I guess it's a little bit work-related, but women in business, um, just kind of setting yourself apart, creating goals, whether it be in your personal life or um, your work life and executing on that. So, Is there anything, any part that feels like being a woman, especially in this industry, obviously male dominated, but, you know, I will say there are a lot of very successful, far more successful than me, females in the industry, which is incredible to see, but does that ever show itself in any way, or does it seem to be pretty, you know, open male or female? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's evolved and changed a lot, even from when I first started from my um, kind of viewpoint, but I think there might even be a little bit of an advantage. Um, I think maybe some traits that women have are great for even for the IR role, maybe the customer service focused or the, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but I definitely don't think there are any disadvantages and it's becoming more of the norm. So. Awesome. I love that. That was not part of the final five, but I, I wanted to know. <laughs> I was very curious. Yeah. So, Are you familiar with uh, the Marvel superheroes? Not really. <laughs> not really? Okay. Uh, what about Star Wars? Can't say I'm not a big TV or movie person at all. <laughs> That's fair. Okay. So of the Marvel superheroes that, you know, which one would you say you relate to most? Um, well, since I, I'm going to take a guess and say Superwoman is one of those. So we'll go with, with Superwoman. <laughs> I love it. Easy enough. Cool. And then the last one, uh, super easy. What's the best way for people to reach out and get in contact with you and uh, learn more about you and Spartan? Sure. So um, my personal email is lauren at spartan-investors.com. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn under just Lauren Bryshell. And uh, our website is spartan-investors.com. So those are the three ways. Sweet. Well, we will link all of that in the show notes. Lauren, thank you so much for coming on. I had a great time talking with you today. Likewise, Jonathan. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Listen, guys, I know it's cliche, but please don't forget to like, subscribe, please leave a review. Would love to know what you guys think of the episodes. And while you're here still listening, don't forget to go to investwithkatani.com and download my free ebook, Is Commercial Real Estate Recession Proof? Thanks so much.